DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. The countdown is on, PK. We're a little more than a month away from the start of college football. Couldn't be more excited. If Hawaii at UCLA on week zero is the start of college football. It is. That's the 28th. So it's a week week and a month. Yeah. I'm fired up big time, man. Love it. Absolutely love it. Ready to get back to America's favorite sport. I think it's America's second favorite sport, college football. NFL's one. Yeah, I count football as football. But I know you like to break them into one and two. It is time right now to talk college football with the BYU beat writer for the Deseret News, Jay Drew. Jay joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Jay, good morning. Morning, guys. Jay, football is closing in on us. And that means that I am throwing out brilliant opinions and PK is telling me how wrong I am. <laughs> but I have, a, I have one for you here, and I just want to throw it out. I don't want to tell you who thinks which thing, but I'm just curious. And it's not even necessarily a yes or no. It could also be to what degree you buy it. So we saw Baylor-Romney at quarterback for a couple games. He uh, quarterbacks, he gets a couple of starts, and he quarterbacks BYU past Liberty, uh, and he quarterbacks um, past Boise State. He also played in relief in a win against uh, Utah State, I think. So, but what we saw when he goes 15 to 26, 221 yards, two scores, and and BYU beats Boise State and gives them their one loss in the regular season, keeps them out of the uh, New Year's Six Bowls. So now you flash forward. Zach Wilson takes over, though, right? And Zach's the man. So now Zach's off to the NFL. Baylor's in the quarterback derby here. If he wins it or if one of the other guy wins it, does he provide a floor because you've seen that where there's just a certain amount of basic level of confidence that you have in the competence of the quarterback because you saw that? Or it's a super small sample size. It's two years ago, and that doesn't matter to you. Yeah, I think I think the the former what you said. I think he does almost a security blanket or like you called it a floor, a baseline of competence. Um, so yeah, I think um, I think they think that maybe he he has a lower ceiling than the other guys, but that he also is prone to make fewer mistakes and uh, has a more poised, maybe conservative approach. So yeah, I would I buy that. I I think that's uh, I think you're you're onto something there, um, where I think you kind of know what you're going to get with Baylor, where the other two guys are more unknown, but they also have higher ceilings. I think, and so uh, it's kind of an interesting dilemma to have. See, that's why I think that Hall is going to be the guy because I think Aaron Roderick wants to take chances, and maybe I'm psychoanalyzing Aaron, and this will probably get back to me, but he was offensive coordinator at another institution, and he felt like the reins were pulled in on him. And here he feels like he has much more freedom, and so he wants to use that freedom and be more creative 
in the way that I think we saw Andy Ludwig do it at Utah here recently, his second time around. So I think that it's not like I'm saying Aaron is a riverboat gambler who's throwing all caution to the side and screw it, we're going to go for it and do a bunch of wild stuff. But I think he's going to ha- he's going to want it more open. So that's why I think Hall at the start is going to be the starter. Yeah, I agree with you uh, totally. It's uh, kind of funny. I had to turn in one of those college previews for Athlon like in um, mid-March. And I went with the safe bet. I went with Baylor Romney, partly because I wasn't totally convinced that Jaron Hall was, was healthy. Um, but uh, I've, cha- I've, I've just changed course. I, I totally agree with what you just said, PK. I, if I had to do it over again today – uh, I'd say I'd, I'd go with Jaron Hall. I think, and I say that after what Aaron Roderick said at media day and some of the hints he gave out. And I think his quote was something like, um, "He's going to be tough to beat if he's healthy to yeah. beat out for the right. job." Right. Um, I, I I totally agree. I just think Aaron Roderick recruited Jaron Hall uh, back when he was at, at Utah. He he's been on he's been a kind of a Jaron Hall guy for years and years. Um, he's, I, he, I think they, if that fits his personality, the kind of style that, that Jaron Hall plays with. We saw it in the South Florida game in, in 19 where, where Jaron Hall was Zach Wilson's backup when Zach got hurt. It, it wasn't Baylor. It was Jaron Hall was the man back then. And I think you can't discount that. Right? Uh, Jeff Grimes and Aaron Roderick back then determined that, that, you know, Jaron Hall was the guy. So, so yeah, I would agree with that. I think Jaron just has a – I think he just gives more to the offense. I think he opens up the offense more, and I think that's what Aaron wants. So, BYU has to replace a lot of guys. The NFL came calling. Some draft picks, some free agent signings, but, but a lot of guys have moved on. And of all the things that they've got to replace and plug in, what do you think the biggest question mark is? i got to say the defensive line. I – uh, when BYU doesn't have a decent defensive line, other teams have been able to run the ball on them and control the ball. We saw that a lot in 2019 when they played good teams like Washington, Utah, uh, USC, uh, Tennessee. Um, and, and even the, even the lesser teams like Toledo and South Florida ran the ball on them. Um, and I, and I attribute that to the fact that their defensive line wasn't great. And now you throw in that they're losing Kyrus Tonga, uh, a real good run stuffer. And so I, I, I think it's that. And then and it goes all the way over to even your pass rushing, the really inexperienced, uh, you know, on, with their defensive ends. They really, really could use Devin Kafusi. I hate to say that. To BYU fans aren't going to like that. But, but, uh, but I think you'll see this year where, where they could really have used him. So that, that's the position I would say that is the biggest question mark in my mind. So which Polynesians have to step up on the defensive line? <laughs> <laughs> well, you got Lopa Leatua, Uriah Leatua, who came back for kind of a super senior guy. Um, he'll have to step up. They're real high on Tyler Batty. The the uh, when he was in last year before he got hurt, he he had four sacks. Um, I think he'll have to step up uh, up the middle. They've had these guys in the program for years. Earl Tuyoti Mariner is one. Atunaisa Mahe, um, Lorenzo Fadea, um, to name a few. But uh, they they have bodies there. They just don't have a lot of experience. 
they like a guy named Gabe Summers, who's a kind of a walk-on, I think, who's earned a scholarship now, um, who's shown some flashes when he's been in there. So they've got some guys. They just need to, you know, the thing is they're just going to be thrown into the fire really quickly with, uh, you know, maybe not the opener with Arizona as much, but Utah and then Arizona State uh, in games two and three. I, I think they'll really be tested. Jay Drew joining us. He is the BYU B-Rider for the Deseret News. I've heard a bunch of uh, predictions and read them and all that. And you know, predictions are what they are. It's not only trying to assess what a team's going to look like two or three months down the road, but you've got to obsess, try to figure out what their opponent is going to look like. So that gets pretty dicey. Uh, what is the range in your mind of legitimate predictions? You know, at, like at the high end, if you hear, I don't know, eight and four, nine and three, ten, it's somewhere in there, you think that's it, and you hear beyond that, you're thinking, okay, we're getting into Fanville, Homerville time here. And and conversely, what's the lowest you'd accept before you're thinking, oh, you're a uterine Aggie who hates the Cougars? What's the what's the okay range? Yeah, yeah, I would say eight and four is probably the ceiling. It's probably the highest, um, reasonably. Uh, based on all the guys they lost in the schedule, um, I would say four and eight is maybe maybe uh, I'd say maybe five and seven. I, I think they'll win at least five games. I think you could pencil in, you know, five games that they they should win. If they don't win, it's you know it's it's a problem. So I would say bottom end five and seven, top end reasonably top end eight and four, without going into like you said the kind of the the blue goggles, uh, you know, Homer kind of take where, oh, they're going to win nine games easily. I, I think that's a little bit of a stretch. So, so I'm going to go with, with eight and four is, is I think a realistic goal. And I think if they hit eight and four based on the personnel and the schedule, I think you can say that, that they did okay. So it's not every year that they have a receiver drafted. And obviously they had one last year, but can I argue that it collectively, they may not have as good, although that remains to be seen, but the receiver group collectively is better than it was last year. Yeah, I think adding the Nakua brothers is, uh, is you know, a phenomenal get for, for BYU. I think they'll both be uh, contributors. You know, obviously, you've got Gunnar Romney is good if he can stay healthy. Neil Pau is, is really solid, maybe a little underrated. Uh and then they've got some guys that's just been in the pipeline that this is the year that they, they've got to step up. Keanu Hill out of Texas. We've heard a lot of good things about him, and he's never been able to do it on the field. Uh, Cody Epps, the re, you know the big recruit uh, a year ago, uh, didn't really get on the field much. A junior college transfer named Chris Jackson, who who uh, they all say is probably the fastest guy on the team. So. So yeah, I think they, I think they could be better. They're obviously replacing Dax Milne, a, a great receiver, and probably Zach Wilson's favorite target. But uh, you know, Zach's gone, Dax is gone, and there's kind of a new, uh, a whole new kind of feel to the receiver core and to the and to the quarterback room. So it'll be interesting to see. But I, but I agree with you. I think they'll be better at receiver. I think it'll be an exciting time for BYU. So how much pressure is taken off the receivers by the tight ends? And I think most people are looking at Isaac Rex or Mason Wake, but maybe you're looking at somebody else. Yeah, you know, uh, we keep hearing good things about Bentley Hanshaw in there. Um, Carter Wheat is still around, but obviously Isaac Rex is the man there. He 12 touchdown catches last year. You, 
you know, uh, Mason Wake, more kind of a fullback or H-back, uh, is a good player. Um, kind of faded last year toward the end of the season. Uh, they didn't go to him as much. But, but definitely, uh, they're, they're deep at tight end. They lost Hank Tuitolotu to a kind of a career-ending, uh, lingering injuries where he hung it up. But, but uh, they've, got, uh, and they've got more guys in the pipeline there. So that should be a position of strength, no question. Another position of strength is I get what they've done offensively up front with the line because it seems like they get a lot of players who've been on the field. You talk about some of these receivers who haven't been on the field, but a number of guys, uh, at least like it seems like for the last couple years, they're returning a bunch of experienced guys that they've managed to play here and there, some more than others, led by obviously up the middle with Empey, who I think is an NFL kid. So I really like their ability this year to be able to run the ball for a couple of reasons. Uh, Algier and Katoa up front are in behind them in the, as the running backs, obviously. But the offensive line, I'm expecting to be one of their strongest points, if not their strongest unit collectively. Yeah, they've, they've got a few guys to replace there, but I, I agree with you. They should be good. MP's really good. Uh, Harris Lachance and, and uh, you know, Blake Freeland are probably the, the tackles. Uh, if they can get a guy named Keanu Saliapaga back, he's kind of battled some injuries and academic stuff. He played a lot a few years ago. He's still in the program. He could help him out a lot. I like Joe Tukuafu, who's, like you said, one of those guys who's seen a lot of time and should be able to get plugged in there. They really like a Connor Pay, kind of a, I think a freshman, sophomore, red shirt, something, <laughs> you know, the, with COVID, you never really know yeah, what year yeah. these guys are. Right, yeah. um, but and then a guy named Braden Kime, who's like six nine, and he was recruited as a tight end out of Alta, but he's 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 six nine. So I think he's going to play more uh, on the offensive line. And I've talked to Daryl Funk, the offensive line coach, a couple times this summer, and he always brings up this kid named Braden Kime. Is like, hey, watch out for this kid. Uh, you know, might not crack the starting lineup early, but but could be there as the season goes on. So, uh, yeah, they, they should be okay on the offensive line. I don't know if they'll be dominant, but I, but I think they'll be, uh, with all the other weapons they have on offense, I think the offensive line will be able to step up and, and give them some time to throw and some holes to run the ball through. So whenever I hear a football team has a 6-9 guy, I'm always wondering how much do you focus on special teams and blocking kicks? Because a 6'9 guy jumping right over center seems like a huge advantage. And there's enough close games to, to deflect an extra point or a, a field goal or, or just flat-out block it and snuff it. it. It seems like that's a big deal, but it also seems like a little outside the norm for a lot of coaching staffs. Yeah, I, I don't know how much they're using him. I know, you know, obviously Bronson Kafusi was really good in that role, and I think, I think Corbin was as well. I don't know how much BYU worked on it. Um, whenever you bring up that, DJ, I always remember when Bronco called the timeout in the bowl game to get the right guy on the field that could block an extra point. I think it was Mitch Matthews. <laughs> I don't know, memory escapes me. But uh, I always remember that it was just kind of a boneheaded, uh, you know, when they wasted a timeout and then they ended up getting the ball and needing those timeouts and they didn't have them. <laughs> I don't, not to go off on that tangent, but uh, it always just reminds me of uh, kind of that play and that whole sequence. 
Let me run this theory by you and see if you buy it, that BYU is in the unusual circumstance of this season playing to prove itself how good of a football team it is against you know five Pac-12 uh, teams, and then they got, what, Virginia and Baylor, so they got seven Power Fives. They got Boise, Utah State. So they got a pretty good schedule, certainly. So they're trying to prove itself against this schedule. But at the same time, they're trying to justify last season, even though so many guys have left, because last season was so controversial that they've got to back it up. So they got to play for this year and to prove that last year wasn't just built on a bunch of cream puffs. Do you buy that theory? I think it's out there. I think, uh, you know, there is some – some people are, that want them to validate last year's season by w- winning the same way against a tougher schedule. I, I just think it's really hard to, to make that jump because of the, the personnel is different. I mean, they're, they lost tons of guys on defense. Um, they lost a couple offensive linemen that, that uh, were key. And then obviously they lost the number two pick in the NFL draft. Right. So it's – I know it's out there. I've heard that. I know a lot of people are saying that, uh, but uh, I just—it's just really hard. I mean, rosters change. Um, obviously, they just change a lot. This isn't the pros, you know, where where uh, Aaron Rodgers stays with the same team, well, most of the time. <laughs> um, this is—you uh, just have too much turnover. We you, every year is different. Every game is different, really, um, and so. Yeah, I, I don't really buy into that. It's just a whole new set of guys. Is the schedule too difficult? Uh, that's a good question. I, you know, I, I don't think they're not gonna they're not gonna run the table. They're not gonna get to a New Year's Six game with with playing this type of schedule every year. They just don't have the depth. They just can't get the talent. They just can't get the the type of recruits um, that can come in and do that. Um, then, then if you you know if you you lighten the schedule, then you get people saying, well, they didn't play anybody if they you know if, like last year, so it's kind of a catch twenty two situation for them. I would say the early schedule is too difficult. I guess if if you let me do a little cop out there, the the uh, front loading uh, the September schedules with you know almost all exclusively Power Five teams is is really really difficult. So. So yeah, I would say I would say yes. It's it's too difficult. If you if your dream is to play in a New Year's Six game or to even you know you know heaven forbid make the college football playoff, um, based on the type of recruits that BYU gets. How about the state of the program? Kalani's been there for a good while now. Uh, I realize Jeff Grimes has left, but the offensive guys have been there. Defensive guys, the nucleus of the coaching staff, they made some changes, obviously, but the nucleus has been there, and guys that he recruited years ago returned from missions, have had time to get their bodies acclimated again to playing football. So is the program overall, it may not be necessarily great shape Alabama-wise or even Utah-wise for that matter, but has it progressed to where you expect it now, which most BYU fans want, all of them really want it to be competitive every year? Yeah, I think it's in a good spot. I think Kalani's got his guys in there. I think he's got his culture established of uh, of what he wants. I think he's got be- better linemen. I think they're better in the trenches. 
I think there's more emphasis on, you know, weightlifting, uh, strength, um, kind of like what, you know, what was established, what Whittingham has established at Utah with partly with Kalani's help back in the day. So, yes, I think, I think they're recruiting. I think they've expanded their recruiting. I think they're more uh, amenable to taking uh, non-LDS guys, especially, you know, um, you know, on defense, especially in the backfield. I think that's helped them overall. So, yeah, I, I do. I, I think the, the program is deeper, and, uh, and there's just a, a kind of a, an esprit de corps about them. It's just – it seems like a happy place down there uh, as opposed to, you know, what maybe was the, the last few years of the, of the Mendenhall regime where, uh, where I, it looks like everyone's having fun, and it looks like they really, really enjoy Kalani all the players and then and then the school has done some nice things for the players with the with the new locker room uh you know renovations and and this emphasis on helping them with the nil stuff so yeah i think it's uh i think it's in a good spot are buu players going to make a little bit of money or a lot of money off nil how's that going to play out (laughs) yeah that's a good question i don't know I don't think you can make a lot of money by pushing lip balm. I, you know, I'm I'm actually working on a story on that uh, this week. Uh, one of the a couple of BYU players signed on to to represent a lip balm company, but uh, but I, you know, I think there are a few. I think obviously whoever wins this starting quarterback battle, um, not only are they going to be the man on the field, they're going to probably be the face of the program and the and the one that. If you're an advertiser, you you probably if you could pick any BYU football player, you'd you know you'd probably want to go with the starting quarterback. I would think, you know, maybe Puka Nakua if he if he you know as good as advertised, but uh, so yeah, I I think a, a limit. I think a very very few might be able to make some really good money. I think for the rest of them, it it might not be much more than pocket change. From a media standpoint, do you know what they're going to do this season because everything was Zoomed last year? I have not heard. I'm I'm just based on what they go off. They did with media day where, you know, there were no masks and they did take your temperature when you came in, but, but they were pretty, uh, pretty lax. I, I'm not sure what the word is. Not, they weren't, they weren't really restrictive. So Open. I don't know. Um, Part of me is hoping they do. They keep doing the Zoom calls because I moved up to North Salt Lake, so I don't live as close to Provo as I did anymore. <laughs> but that's an entirely selfish uh, reason. But um, but uh, I, you know, I don't know. I guess we'll see uh, here come August four. What is your number one question? We're peppering you with questions. What's your number one question going into this? Yeah, you know. I just, I guess, my number one question is how, how is this defense going to, uh, going to stop people? I just, I don't see it. I just, they lost so many guys. They lost their starting safeties, all three defensive linemen. I just, my biggest question is, you know, is this defense going to be able to stand up when Utah tries to run the ball down their throat like they did in? 19 is are they going to be able you know and held the ball the last nine minutes of the game or whatever it was are they going to be stout enough on defense to to stop some people especially early in the earlier in in the year when they're facing these you know these power five teams i guess that that would be my biggest question 
Well, we already talked about the line. You know, they've had a history of NFL linebackers. They got any now? They've got some good ones. They got Peyton Wilgar and and Max Tooley and uh, Keenan Peely are probably their top three. And you know, Josh Wilson, Zach's brothers in there. Um, I think they're they're solid. I don't think there's you know Isaiah Kafusi was a good playmaker. He's gone. Um, but uh, yeah, they got good linebackers. I would say it's probably maybe the strength of the defense. Um, and they got really they got some good corners. Uh, they suffered a blow when Micah Harper. Uh, was injured in spring camp and probably out for most of the season, if not all um, at corner, but they, and they're replacing Chris Wilcox, another guy that, you know, getting an NFL shot. So yeah, they, I, I think they're solid at linebacker and corner, but I don't think they, they don't have a superstar like, you know, a Devin Lloyd or some, somebody there, but, uh, but I think they'll be okay. Well, Jay, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. I hope they at least mix in a few Zoom calls for you so you can save you, you know, at least a day or two a week. I mean, the reporter part of you has got to want to be down there seeing stuff and talking to people. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's, it's just a 20 more minutes or something like that. So I'm, yeah. I'm mostly saying that in jest. I'll, oh. I'd, I'd love to be back there and doing the face-to-face interactions like, like we're used to. Well, that's 40 minutes round trip, and that's 40 minutes more risk of the freeway being bottled up. So, you know. There's some truth to what you say. No, he, he's going to helicopter it. The money he's making in the <laughs> D News now. He got a significant <laughs> raise. The D News cash. <laughs> it won't be a chopper. It'll be like a one person drone and it'll just be carrying you by the shoulders. <laughs> yeah, anything works to avoid the freeway. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jay. Okay, guys. Have a great day. Jay Drew, Deseret News, joining us right here to talk a little, uh, talk a little BYU football. And for you, Ute fans. Circle it, PK. It's almost here. Oh, media day you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, what, what's today? Tuesday. Today's Tuesday. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, one week from today? One week from today. All the Pac-12 football talk you can handle. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Top 60 and 60 on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30. Presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON. On your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. For many of our listeners, the daily grind begins at 6 a.m. sharp. Wake up! But for some of our, uh, slightly less ambitious listeners, <laughs> this segment is for you. These are your 9 o'clock Where the Heck Have You Been slacker headlines. Wake up! With DJ and PK. On 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's time to get you up to speed. Stuff you missed in this show. Game 6, NBA Finals tonight. Milwaukee up three games to two on the Suns. PK, I saw one of the debate-talking head shows yesterday debating which team has more pressure on it tonight, and I reject the premise. You can get to a Game 6, there's tons of pressure. You're always going to have a team trying to close it out at home, 
this is the Bucks' chance. There's pressure on them. There's no way they want to go back to Phoenix for a game seven. And if you're Phoenix, of course there's pressure on you. If you lose, your season is over. That's the nature of elimination games. There's tons of pressure. Well, I was listening to Hatch's station down there in Phoenix yesterday, and they were playing sound bites from media availability and Monty Williams' big catchphrase, make him get on the plane. Yeah, he used that after the game. <laughs> he was already into that. Make him get on the plane. That's the whole goal. Make the Bucks because it's twofold. It means that, you know, it's an inconvenience for them, and you're solely focused on game six. You're not even mentioning game seven. Get on the plane. It's not like they can't do it. You know, I think that the Bucks are the favorite. I don't think that they're the overwhelming favorite. Uh, but the opportunity there, it's its hard for me to believe guys like Holiday and Conadin are going to play as well as they've been playing. Milwaukee's five-point favorite. So nothing overwhelming about that. A couple of shots over the course of two and a half hours. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm pulling for the Suns from just – the let it go seven standpoint and then, you know, having lived down there a little bit and have family rooting for them. So, yeah, I'm definitely pulling for them. I'd love to see it. I'd love a, I'd love a seventh game. Who would want a seventh game in an NBA Finals? We've had it, I think, four times in 25 years. Yeah, the only people who don't want that are the Bucks. <laughs> yeah, the Bucks fans want it over. They want to win it at home and yeah, celebrate. I get it. But I think the rest of us. Is any work get, being done in, Buffalo, in uh, Milwaukee now? If you don't care, the Bucks fans are going nuts. If you don't care, like I think most of us don't really care who wins the thing. You wanted to see it go seven. Question of the day: Should the Jazz run it back? Small tweaks, or should they do something significant to the roster? And people are pretty split on this. Fans who want an upgrade, well, they're really good. If you upgrade it, then awesome. The fans think you got the best record in the NBA and you weren't healthy at the end. Okay, but what is harder to do? I can argue that it's easier to make a major move than it is to make an upgrade. Because if I'm making a major move, that means I'm moving probably multiple players. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I stand pat largely and just look at to tweak it, I'm bringing back most of the guys, which means probably Conley. So financially and player availability-wise, who's available to go ahead and do that? That sounds good. I mean, you maybe you hit gold in the draft, but the 30th pick being a significant contributor the first year, probably hard. Got four players in the roughly 10 to $20 million range. Favors is just a little under 10. There's two years left on his deal. Well, the second one is a player option, but I assume he'll opt into 10 million. Ingles is in the last year at 14 million. Expiring contract. Clarkson at 12.4. He signed for three years. The third's a player option. And Bogey at 18.7. He's got two years left on his deal. I would love to be in that range financially. Sorry, we're not thinking about the team right now. <laughs> Over to PK. <laughs> you may have never said a more popular thing on this show. There's a lot of people in the car like, I'm with you, PK. I think be in the 10 to 20 mil range. That would take care of a lot of worries. Like, oh, my gosh, are they going to keep <laughs> me here? How long do I can get to keep this job? Will they renew me? Uh, man, what happens? Uh, health insurance. Uh, 
well, I'm leasing a car and when it's due, do I have enough money to buy it? And you name it. That, I mean, that's just the necessities. That's not, uh, can I go to Paris? <laughs> uh, 10 to 20, you're into uh, going to Maui money right there. Frequently. Yeah. Annually. Uh, what's monthly? Seven times a year. <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah. That would be, uh, that would just be awesome, but I would. I'm never going to achieve that. Not that I'm. I'm. I'm doing way better than most folks, so I have no room to complain by any stretch. But to be at that level, oh my own. I have multiple country club memberships. Gordon Monson level is what you're talking about. Mm, yeah, when you when you think about it, yeah, we spend time as 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 a foursome there, uh, and they're just in a different stratosphere as us. And good for them. Yeah. Hey. Other thing we other things we've discussed this morning. The SEC commissioner says that uh, games that have been canceled due to COVID will not be rescheduled. They'll just be forfeited. Well, there's really no room to reschedule them. No, I remember last year they built in those weeks to reschedule. Yeah, and, and they then push we accepted stuff back. The games weren't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, I hope it doesn't happen. In, he said 14 teams in the conference, uh, six of them have now reached 80% vaccinated. I don't see how you don't reach like 99%. Some people just don't want to do it. They won't do it. I understand that, but the like the, the, the team pressure, I guess. I was going to say societal, but you're not really in society. No, when but you're their society, the smaller society, is, I mean, that's their circle of peers, the team. Right. So who would want to be the one that caused you to forfeit? I mean. Well, maybe if you got it down to that point, and, and people think it's not going to happen to them, and, and NC State's being used in as an example. That was awfully deep in the College Baseball World Series. Weren't they down to three teams? Well, at it was that point? essentially a regional final. To relate it to basketball. Was yeah. it a regional yeah. final or a national semifinal? Okay. I thought there were I only two of their to four. the final. Yeah. So if you want to if you want to do that, yeah, you yeah. can say that. But just to get the point to the is, final to so play deep. the two out of three. Yeah. It was so you deep. take another step. And then you gotta forfeit. It just sucks. Uh, yeah, I couldn't imagine. It just sucks. I mean, you're all amped up and then it's over. <laughs> just like what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's brutal. Yeah, brutal. Absolutely brutal. And obviously, I, I hope it doesn't happen to anybody, and then they all get to play their games. But wasn't wouldn't surprise me. Now we're seeing Zach Levine; he is not on the plane, and they're saying, but they're hopeful. And we so know there's a plane leaving on Friday. They right? say it's or, protocols, which makes me which think he was. Well, I think it means that he was exposed, and but he hasn't tested positive. So he's got to sit out a few days. I and, guess, yeah. Because and then the how does it work? You got to you got to sit out when you because get over there. Because it's so contagious, they're worried. That I don't know. I thought there was a seventy-two hour isolation when you got there, but maybe you can do both at the same time if you do your seventy-two hours of isolation here. I don't <clears> know. <throat> yeah, I don't know that rule. Uh, but it's just it's so contagious that if he does have it and they don't separate him from the team, then. More guys on the team could get it. so I suppose, yeah. I guess that's what they're looking at here. We do know there's a plane leaving because the finals guys got to get on a plane. There's three uh, of them. To take, uh, so he, he can jump on that one, I guess. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. When we come back, your feedback. Stay with us.
And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Coach Jay Hill with us. So I'm a star high school athlete, and Jake is my mom. Whoa. <laughs> that would be an ugly mom. <laughs> so you're going to sell me on Weber State. What do you say? The things that you can sell are the university and the degrees offered, the scholarship, facilities, coaches, the league you play in. Then you can sell the city. People are out there trying to make it sound like they're going to get these huge name likeness and image deals. Some people will be able to get away with it, but I just don't believe that's going to be the way of recruiting. I still believe the way you're in the cell program is the way we've sold it for the last 25 years. I just don't see that changing a lot. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. How you doing, PK? Oh, special. Yeah, I'm great. <laughs> A little lighter. Uh, we got people weighing in. It's time for your feedback. RJ at SneakyBeat22. Move over, Justin Zanuck. RJ is here to help. I'm sure, I'm sure Justin's very pleased with that possibility. Oh, absolutely, yes. Who wouldn't be? The Jazz need to let Conley walk, and they need to trade Ingles and Favors. They need to target DeLon Wright, Lou Dort, and Marvin Bagley. <laughs> it's very specific. <laughs> RJ has pondered this. He's come up with a list. He's prioritized. This is his assessment. A, a sun devil, a blue devil, and a you. Walk into a bar. <laughs> Walk into the jazz practice facility. <laughs> oh, wow. That, that's an interesting combination. Dort's a defensive guy. Uh, who's the other one? I think Dort's a guy who could play for a lot of teams in the NBA, and I don't think Oklahoma City has much intention of letting him go, although you got to see who's coming back, I suppose, before you make definitive statements. But everybody's looking for good players on rookie contracts, and he's making like $2 bucks. Bagley's the guy who was taken ahead of Doncic. That's all he's known for. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Nothing else. Right? And then uh, DeLon Wright, man, he's played for like five teams, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, DeLon Wright's bounced around. Been in the league. I just don't know that he's any form of difference maker. So who, who so we, I who guess, we giving, I guess Not resigning Conley and trading Ingles and Favors. Is that what it was? Yeah. And if you're trading those guys, you need a lot more back than three names. He just listed. Now, maybe he doesn't have all those linked. Maybe he's got those all happening in separate deals. You know, I think I think DeLon Wright's an interesting case because as far as a difference maker, you know, I'd say no. But does he have a skill set you can use and help provide depth? You know? He can't shoot, though. That's – and see, that's the thing. And Dort isn't a good shooter. And Bagley, I have no idea. Do you idea. think – and see, that's the thing where you got to project. Can you – Help guys become good shooters. Now, Dort's younger. Man, that's hard. I, I agree. If your touch is uh, that of a bricklayer. <laughs> you just don't think that's going to change? You can do the 10,000 shots, we, we but some people with Rubio? just don't have it. Jason Kidd went to the Hall of Fame without being able to shoot. Yeah, true story. And yet other people become better shooters. Royce O'Neal has improved. 
Uh, for that matter, Joe's improved. I would go Joe more because Joe already is starting from better spot. And, and you know, where are you and how much better can you get? But if you can get someone who bounces around the league every year, if you can get someone on a veteran minimum and you think you can turn a 34% three-point shooter into a 38% three-point shooter, I think a lot of a lot of teams are going to do that. Now, yeah, but you're maybe you can't. You're giving up your best one. And that's well, oh, yeah, and that's what I was saying is, like, I don't like that trade of those guys for those guys. But I don't know that that's what he meant. It's Twitter. And, you know, someone like DeLon Wright who's bounced around – May just I'd have to check his contract status. I don't know where he is. I like a sign and trade and favors and angles for Damian Lillard. I don't think Portland's doing that. Oh, I know they're not, but I still like <laughs> you it. Still like okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was serious. <laughs> wherever, you're, well, you're never serious. That's not fair. Run out of town <laughs> yeah. immediately. Okay, good. If Phil Knight, who doesn't get involved with that, would run him out of town. Portland's going to want Rudy or Donovan. I got it. I understand that. Or both. <laughs> you can't have both. I know. But, but that's what, what they want. want. Yeah. Well, whoever, there's someone saying that in Portland right now. Well, whoever's making the decisions in Utah is getting run out of town. Yeah. It's hard to do, man. It's, it's, it's going to be hard. And the, the safe way, the known product to be better is to re-sign Conley and give it another shot because you know you're going to win 50. Yeah, assuming we're back to a two-game season. You know, a bottom yeah. line yeah. Uh, level. The floor. That yeah. is the floor. That's right. the baseline, right. as Jay said. Right, yeah. All right, we got another one here for you. Uh, talking about the uh, Utah and BYU, and I was saying, well, Ute fans are saying 10 is coming. Rhino, 9 is here, 10 is near. Also, don't feed the trolls. Er, PK, I mean. I'm a troll? I think he feels like he's been trolled by you at some point. Oh, Ryan. Two-faced. He has a love-hate relationship with me. I just That's know it. That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> you say something about BYU and he hates you, and you say something about Utah, he's like, yes. <laughs> now you're talking, PK. Uh, some of my best friends are Utes. Uh, that's actually true. <laughs> you live in a bifurcated neighborhood. Bifurcated. That's the word for the day, kids. Bifurcated. I don't even know what that means. You got man. Utah and Cougars. Your neighborhood split. Sure. You but, can walk down the street and find a Ute fan and then go to the next house and they're wearing blue. Mm-hmm. No, most so definitely. That's why you are a man of the people. You have the pulse of the people. And I'm maroon and gold. <laughs> Debate for another day, but we'll just give this to people right here. When Jay said eight and four is the ceiling, five and seven is the floor. Are you buying it? No, I think they go nine and three. Nine and three, and six and six is the floor. Or you think five and seven could happen? I was surprised you went to five and seven. Boy, that would be bad news. It so would I, be. I probably agree with you. I haven't studied the schedule that well. So I've studied it, but the problem is I haven't figured it out. I mean, I've tried, and I know I don't know a lot about Baylor and Virginia. So that's two games of wiggle room right there. I'll have it figured out, and I'll present it for the people, and all will be well. Nice. Oh, we got that to look forward to. Yes. In the coming weeks. By the way, oh, we got to go. We got to go, yeah. All right, we got to go. Hans and Scott here next. We'll see you tomorrow.